Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The top stories and the top insiders on Rocky Top. This is the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast with your host, Will Bowling. You are listening to the pilot episode of the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast on the 104.5 The Zone Digital Podcast Network. I will be your host, Will Bowling, talking all things Tennessee athletics every single week right here on the Zone Digital Platforms. And we're excited to get this thing started and begin our UT podcast. Ultimate Tennessee Podcast is going to just stand for the UT podcast for short. Whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, you can find us at all of those platforms. And also, we can plug every Zone show here, every single 104.5 The Zone show on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. So never miss a moment of our coverage, whether that's Tennessee, whether that's the Titans, whatever it is here from the Zone Studios, you can find us wherever you use your digital content. Well, a little bit about myself. I'm not new to the Tennessee beat. Spent some time up in Knoxville over the past four years covering volunteer football, basketball, and baseball at a website called Rocky Top Insider. Spent some time there. Spent some time as a student athlete as well at the University of Tennessee. And I'll go into some stories with that on this show as well. Stories from being a member of the track and cross country teams. And I've got a perspective to bring to this show of someone who has covered University of Tennessee athletics, someone who's been a part of University of Tennessee athletics, but also someone who's grown up in the University of Tennessee. My dad went to Tennessee. My brother and my sister went to Tennessee. I'm a recent graduate from the University of Tennessee, and I think it's important for people that talk University of Tennessee athletics to understand what is the culture of the University of Tennessee, whether that's the history of Pat Summit and Lady Vols basketball that carries a weight in this region that people from outside Knoxville just can't, can't really understand, whether it's the, the feeling of being in Neyland Stadium for the first time. I got that experience when I was probably not even a year old yet. I know the culture of this place. I'm excited to talk more about it. And uh, we're going to bring on some good guests to talk about it here. You can use us as a source for recruiting content uh, as we partner with writers and hosts from GoVols247, from VolQuest.com, Tennessee Rivals, uh, and also from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, football coverage uh, is going to be big here on this show. That's what we're going to mainly focus on uh, in the coming months, of course, for obvious reasons. Uh, but that football coverage is, is going to be centered around topics that other people aren't having. And I find that difficult in Tennessee athletics because there are so much good UT content. There's a lot of people talking Vols. We want to find those conversations that are a little bit different. You know, we, we want to find the conversations people aren't having. And we're going to do that in a couple of different ways that uh, we'll certainly expand on in this episode. 
One of those ways being advanced statistics, something I'm big on and something I don't think people will use enough to have a conversation about football. It's big in baseball, and it's not the story. It's not the topic, but it can be used as a way to analyze and to talk about the, the topics that already do exist. We're not going to pull any numbers out of thin air and make that the story. The story might be Tennessee's offensive line. Well, okay, what did advanced statistics say about Tennessee's offensive line? And on today's show, I've got one number for you that is going to tell you all of Tennessee's problems from last year, and it's the issue they've got to fix coming up in the 2019 season. So without further ado, joining us this week for our first episode is Mike Wilson, beat writer covering Tennessee football and basketball for the Knoxville News Sentinel. And Mike, this is a, a UT show and, and unfortunately not a baseball podcast. So I know you and I both oh. want to talk a lot of Atlanta Braves, but, uh, you know, regardless of that fact, you know, I, I do appreciate you joining us here today. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to recognize Ronald Lacuna as the rightful home run derby champ. Somehow he got hosed. <laughs> we, all those off the field home runs have to count for more. That's my only thought. I agree. We had that conversation before actually, uh, one of the shows here, uh, in, in our green room and, uh, we were saying, I think, however, however many it was, 24 or 25 that he hit, but also hitting some to the opposite field. I think that's more impressive than what uh, what Guerrero did, honestly. Oh, I mean, it's at least equal. I mean, <laughs> what, what was crazy to me is Acuna just hitting them down the right field line foul a few times. Oh, my goodness gracious. The yeah. rightful home run derby champ. <laughs> well, good stuff. Well, we'll jump right into it here in our, our first episode of the, the UT podcast here. And quite frankly, it, it seems like kind of a weird offseason in Knoxville and just in Tennessee in general and for me I think part of this stems from the fact that you know you've got the Rick Barnes UCLA saga you've got Tennessee basketball and Tennessee baseball advancing further into the postseason than maybe normal it feels like the gap has is not as long for Tennessee fans to wait from football to football because really in, in Knoxville as you know there's there's two seasons there's football season and there's off season for football and it seems like there was kind of more to talk about, and maybe that's the answer to this question I'll ask, but it seems like fans are not really getting excited for Tennessee football like they usually would at this point. Have you gotten that impression up in Knoxville? Um, I don't know. I mean, July is always a hard time of year to gauge anything. I mean, it, it's as dead of a time in college athletics as you can have, but I think, too, if there is that tempered feeling around football, part of it has to stem from how the last two seasons have gone. Um, I think it's harder to get as excited about two non-bowl seasons and then say, oh, yay, it's football season again when it's kind of been two years of hardship. Um, but I would imagine, I mean, SEC Media Day is coming next week. I'd imagine that starts to ramp up. But um, certainly I think what you said holds a lot of water, though. Um, basketball success, baseball success, and those things in spring sports and will winter for basketball as well. But when those things are going well and fans have good teams to cheer for, there is a good feeling overall about the athletics of the whole school, and you're not as worried about one season the whole time. Yeah, and the the July topic is an interesting one, and it's timely, too, with Tennessee announcing today that Jarrett Garantano, Daryl Taylor, and Daniel Batuli will represent the Vols at SEC Media Days. I feel bad saying this as somebody in our business. I don't get the, the hype around the SEC Media Days. I, I'm totally out on it. I always am. I'm even more out on it now that there's no Steve Spurrier to actually give us some some quotes of meaning. But uh, if you're a Tennessee fan looking at what's to come from SEC Media Days, 
I mean, what what do you think Tennessee fans can expect to hear, if anything, of particular value from that trio or from Jeremy Pruitt? You know, I, I think the coolest part of that that group is that Jarrett Garantano is going as he should be. Um, you know, last year in Jeremy Pruitt's first season, we didn't get to talk to Jarrett Garantano during spring football. We didn't get to talk to him during preseason camp. Uh, I believe the first time we spoke to him was after his really good performance at Auburn. Um, and we saw him a couple times the rest of the year after that. But um, I mean, he is the leader of the offense de facto. He's the quarterback. He's going to his junior year, third year as a starter. So he, he's got to be a representative there. So I think that's great that they did choose to take him in the end. Um, you know, Daryl Taylor, Daniel Batuli, neither one of them loves to, to talk the talk, um, which is exactly why Jeremy Pruitt likes them. Um, I mean, they're <laughs> going to keep it on the line. But I, I would assume something that's going to be an interesting discussion is uh, ESPN predicting five wins or nine wins for the Vols. Um, there's always going to be questions like that where people latch on to, oh, you're projected to win nine games. Do you think you guys can do that and, and that sort of thing? And I'd imagine that's going to be a popular popular thought right away about Tennessee. And it's interesting you bring up Garantano, too. And, and one of the points I wanted to get to here on today's show is um, an article I, I, I saw you had in the Knoxville News Sentinel as well as kind of the, starting this conversation uh, from this ESPN article saying that Jared Garantano was one of the big breakout stars potentially in college football this year. And um, one thing I want to do on this show is is get into kind of some deeper numbers here. And uh, one that stuck out in particular had to do with him and the offensive line. Um, Garantano was sacked on 9% of his throws last year. As much as the numbers like him, they hate UT's offensive line. The, the stuff rate, uh, which is the percentage of runs that were stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage for Tennessee, not surprising, was last in college football last year. 36% of their runs were stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage a year ago, and that's 10% higher than SMU, who is 129th in college football. And that's wild to think about. And it's funny, stats like that sometimes, you might watch the game with just your eyes and say, man, that, that unit's not good, or this player's not good, this, this, and that. And the stats tell you, oh, I'm wrong. But when you watch Tennessee's offensive line from the last few seasons, you say that's a really bad unit. And then the stats just show it's even worse than it looks. Um, and I think, you know, looking at that ESPN story about Garantano, I think people lose sight of what he's been able to do because he doesn't have big touchdown numbers. I think he threw 12 last year, only had four the year before. He doesn't really pile up those numbers that people want to see. Uh, and I think his performance is lost in that. People who don't see him week to week might say, ah, he's pretty average. But then they've got to take into account those things the run game being worse in the SEC last year and ineffective in most games. Um, the fact the offensive line just shuffles through players for the past two seasons and really hasn't been able to keep him upright. So when you take that into account, I mean, I think you see a player that's got that potential, but I also think he's been better than people realize. And I think that was the point that, that David Hale was trying to get at in that ESPN story was not only could Garantano be a breakout guy, but he hasn't been as bad as people think the last two years. Yeah, and I like the comparison they make of player A and player B where they show yeah. Garantano's numbers compared to Oregon's Justin Herbert, which, and they're very similar. And this is a guy in Garantano who's only threw three picks in 246 attempts uh, despite playing behind what was, and it's not even close, it's easily the worst offensive line statistically in college football last year. So I, I'm interested to see what kind of jump he can make. And, and I think a bigger question looking forward to this team and maybe explaining why there's little to no excitement is 
is there a face of this team? And I think if you're Jeremy Pruitt, I think if you're Philip Fulmer from a larger perspective, I think Garantano needs to be the public image moving forward into this 2019 season, don't you? I do. And one of the things to me about Jared Garantano that got lost last season um, was him not being available to the media. I mean, say what you want. You know, I mean, a lot of times when the media says, oh, we don't get to talk to so-and-so, it just comes off as whiny. And I, I'm, that's not lost on me. But Jared Garantano is a quality interview. He's a good spokesman for the university. He's a good spokesman for the football program. He doesn't put his foot in his mouth. He doesn't embarrass his teammates. Uh, and, and I thought that was one of the big reasons they should have had him rolled out more last season. I mean, even when things aren't great and he's going to get those similar questions about the offensive line, he's a guy who stands up there and handles the spotlight well. So I do think he's a, he's a great fit for that. Uh, I feel like between Jim Chaney on the offensive side, Derek Ansley on the defensive side, just two of the big question marks. I mean, you add in Trey Smith, his status completely being up in the air. That's a big question mark. And then you add in the question marks, too, of Aubrey Solomon and D'Angelo Gibbs, two guys that still uh, the NCAA has no answer on whether they're going to be eligible to play right away. Uh, which of those question marks kind of stand out to you? And, um, you know, uh, Maybe maybe the better question is, what's the most certain of that? Because to me, it's probably the Jim Chaney-Garantano relationship being so important. But this just seems like a team that has question mark after question mark. And maybe that's the, the lack of expectations and the buzz surrounding this team from the fans right now. Yeah, and I'd imagine that, that Jeremy Pruitt's going to get the Aubrey Solomon, D'Angelo Gibbs, Trey Smith questions pretty quickly uh, down in Hoover next week. I mean, those are, those are subjects that people are going to want to know the updates on pretty quickly. Um, but certainly, I mean, if you're looking at that from a certainty perspective, I think people know what Derek Ainsley is capable of as a coach. He's proven that in the college and NFL levels. Um, he's working with Pruitt on the defensive side, where both of them have good minds for that. So I think Tennessee probably feels good about that. And, and heck, man, if there's any excitement around this team defensively, it's got to be the defensive backfield anyway, uh, with Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson at cornerback. I think Balen Buchanan was better than people realized last season as well. So I think there's an excitement factor there with that. Um, but Jim Chaney, Garantano, I think they've had enough time to work together now where they've probably got a good sense of each other. Um, but the offensive and defensive lines are the issues on this football team. I mean, there's not a lot of strength in the trenches. All, all the starters on the defensive line are gone from last season. And, and you know, Daryl Taylor's getting a lot of buzz as, as a good guy on the edge, but he's not going to be effective if they don't have anyone on the defensive line creating a push. So Aubrey Solomon, to me, is really important. Trey Smith is really important. I mean, otherwise, you almost certainly have two true freshman tackles, and that's not necessarily great, even as highly touted as those guys are. Yeah, it's crazy. We're at a point where Tennessee basketball and football are both really relying on getting guys eligible, and, and we'll we'll touch on that here in a, a few minutes as well. Um, the next question I have, kind of around this this topic of the image of Tennessee football, uh, does Jeremy Pruitt care? You know, because as much as he cares internally about setting the identity as as a football team with no frills, no extra stuff that uh, really plagued the Butch Jones era and, and creating that culture, I think maybe, and I'll ask this question to you, is the fact that there isn't really a public face for this team, do you think that's even a bad thing for Jeremy Pruitt right now? I don't know that it's a bad thing, but I mean, Jeremy Pruitt is a football coach as much as a football coach can be. He cares about coaching football. He cares about the game. And he wants to be out there winning games and coaching football. And that's understandable. But there is a side that goes into coaching at a high level like this of marketing, branding the program. I mean, th those things matter so much in recruiting the buzz. You can get around things. 
um, especially when the on-field product is still developing. I think having a good brand, having a good image, having players out there in the spotlight, like those things help you. Um, and that is important. And that's why, you know, we talked to Garantano. He is a fitting image for that. I think he handles the spotlight so well. And, and really, you know, Tennessee football, you're under a really, really major microscope, especially as the quarterback. And that's why he's had a lot of criticism, um, even with the offensive line taken into account. But he's handled that. And that really speaks to Jared Garantano as a person. So, But to answer that question, it does matter having, having a brand and having a face. I think Pruitt's comfortable being that. You've got to have some on-field guys that are that as well that you can point to to get out there in the spotlight and, and attract attention in a positive light because that's what you want around your program. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question there is, you know, how do you think Jeremy Pruitt in, in year two at SEC Media Days will adjust to some of these public appearances and, and the kind of the, the state of Tennessee football address? Because it seems like to me, from my perspective here in Nashville, that he's already really come a long way in that area and can really show, okay, year over year, I'm a better face, a better CEO of Tennessee football here at SEC Media Days. You know, one of the things that I like most about Jeremy Pruitt is he, he just got this really good dry sense of humor. Um, <laughs> it it can, has little little quips and sarcasm, and and he it, it honestly probably shows well well in the media. Where if you ask a question, he's kind of like, oh, really? And it, it's kind of entertaining to me. Like I like the sarcasm and the dry humor, um, but I do think that's an adjustment every coach has to make. I mean, you can look at baseball with Tony Vitello as a first-time head coach, too. When you step into those roles, it does have a little bit of an adjustment period of dealing with the media, dealing with the circus, dealing with everything you have to go through. Um, And and certainly, SEC Media Days is the epitome of circus. I don't think anyone um, can overstate that. It's just hoopla. (laughs) There's more media credentials than there ever should be. It's just too much. And and for a guy like Jeremy Pruitt, that's not an ideal situation, but um, or a favorite situation, I guess. But I'm sure he's going to handle that well. I mean, he's done it now. He's familiar with it. He's seen the, the craziness of it all, so nothing's going to be a surprise now. I think this 2019 season, we may look back at this and say this is the swing game season, right? Because I think you expect to lose games to Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. You, you can kind of pencil those in right now in, in July. But the, the amount of swing games on this schedule, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Missouri, BYU, uh, there's not a lot of certain wins, just like how there's not a lot of certain losses uh, outside of those big three for Tennessee this year. And uh, maybe the most telling stat about 2018 Tennessee football is the 25-point margin of defeat for this team last year. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of of the opinion that not playing in a lot of close games last year might hurt them in some of those swing games come this fall. You know, you never know how a team's going to respond in those situations. It's always hard to predict. I think we talked about that a lot with Tennessee basketball last year. Um, just They won so many games through the December and January stretch just by a lot of points. And it was, how is this team going to respond to that? But good teams with mature leaders are going to be good teams with mature leaders. And, if Tennessee football can find those leaders and, and those people, I don't worry too much about those things. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, like I referenced earlier, ESPN football power index has Tennessee favored in nine games. That seems kind of wild with the last two seasons that they're coming off and, and how many question marks are returning for this team. But it does speak to what you're saying. There's a lot of swing games. I mean, Kentucky probably isn't the same team it was last year. Sure. Um, I think South Carolina's, probably about the same team it was last year, which 
Tennessee had had chances to win that game down there in Columbia. It's at home. You'd feel better about your odds. Missouri without Drew Locke, that probably changes things. Vanderbilt's been the Achilles heel, but Kyle Shermer's gone. So I understand that now, and, and I think Tennessee's probably on the up in enough ways where they feel good about those swing games. So, of course, switching gears a little bit here, it's been a wild summer for for Tennessee basketball, and it's been a while since we've really been able to say that. I mean, unless there's a coaching change. I remember the, the switch from Donnie Tindall, the switch from Conzo Martin. Those kind of happened earlier in, in the offseason for college basketball, but uh, with Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and Jordan Bow moving on, with all of these newcomers, talk about identity. I mean, that's a team that's that's now lost the face and maybe one of their greatest players of all time. Where does Rick Barnes and Tennessee basketball kind of go next as they move into off-season practices and moving into another school year? Yeah, I'm already bracing for whenever they held media day in, in October to walk in and not recognize who anyone is. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this is about as much turnover as you can have. I mean, they have seven guys that are gone from last year's roster. Um, I, I believe it's seven anyway, and six new faces. So a lot of change there. But what's interesting to me about this basketball team now is it, it did lose a lot, and that cannot be understated. It lost specifically a lot of talent. But it lost a lot of people who all kind of had semi-leadership roles. I don't know if I look at anyone on last year's team as the definitive go-to, take-over-the-huddle leader. Tennessee has that now. That's Lamonte Turner. And that's something that when you've got a team with, with uncertainty and, and a lot of turnover, when everyone on that roster looks to one person as the definite leader, I think that really helps. And I think that really helps the team grow and come along together. And I think Lamonte Turner is the best player on that team, certainly. But I also think he's going to be the alpha leader. And it's always a good combination to have your best player be your best leader. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of out of those newcomers, who, I know that's this is asking a lot to kind of pick one or two of that six right there. And, of course, uh, I'll ask you in a second, too, about who else might be coming. But you know, who stands out to you as maybe a, a big impact guy, maybe a, a, a name that Tennessee fans aren't familiar with but should be, uh, for next season, I know we're we're looking far off, but um, you know, there's there's a lot of newcomers to sort through there. There are, and obviously Josiah James is the name that everyone knows as a five star point guard coming in, and, and a lot's going to be asked of him uh, right away. I would assume he he rolls into the starting lineup with Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner at guard. Um, but right now, one of the most important things for Tennessee is is getting Yurosh Plavšić a, a waiver to be eligible immediately. If he's not, the, the post situation is really, really thin and really, really questionable. Um, it already is thin, but it'd be even more so that way. But to me, you know, they brought in three boards in Devontae Gaines, Drew Pember, Olivier Kamwa. And I think Pember's a guy that's got a good offensive game to play. But Olivier is, was a late add to the class. He, he basically filled Derek Walker's scholarship after Derek transferred to Nebraska. And he's that big body rebounding guy, and he really rose in the rankings late, uh, really late in his process. And he's a guy that I think's got a shot to contribute nicely um, and make an impact in a, at a position where they really need it. I know it's hard to guess what the NCAA is thinking, or or maybe what kind of status is is going to be for uh, Uros Plavsic. And I, I hope I'm saying that right. I need to go watch Tom Sikoviak's video again of how to say uh, how to say his name, but. Uh, what's kind of your feeling and maybe what's the feeling around that program right now on his status and if he's going to be eligible for this upcoming season? Yeah, you know, every time Rick Barnes has talked about it, he's felt really good about it, and I get that. 
Uh, I mean, the reason that, that Eurosh was at Arizona State is he's Serbian. There was a coach from Serbia who he committed to, an assistant coach at Cleveland State he committed to there. That coach left. Eurosh opened up his recruitment. That coach got hired at Arizona State. He went there. That coach wasn't retained after last season. And so he moved back closer to home. He's got, he, he played high school ball in Chattanooga. So it certainly seems like it's got all the qualifications that you would need. And I believe Rick even said it's as good a case as any. Like if ever a kid deserved a waiver, you know, this is it. Um, so I think they feel really good about it. But the NCA, it, it seems like it's always a coin flip in terms of how it's going to go. But it does seem like there's strong reason for him to gain immediate eligibility. Yeah, it seems like every time a coach uses those words, or this is the best case ever, it usually seems like those are the ones that, that don't go the way of the kid, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the logic is something I will never understand. Well, Mike, appreciate you coming on with us. You, you've got the big honor of, of being on the pilot episode here. So this is, this is a, a, lot, a lot of pressure on you. you you've lived up to the standard, uh, the standard we've now just set, I guess. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, where can everybody find your work and uh, maybe read what's coming from you at the Knoxville News Sentinel? Yeah, I will say, though, the good news is the bar is set so low now by me that it's only going to get better for you. I mean, that's, uh, give yourself that's a the crack. best Come thing on. you can have. <laughs> um, no, people can find me on Twitter at by Mike Wilson, uh, B-Y Mike Wilson, uh, just the most generic human name imaginable, um, and then knoxnews.com or Go Vols Extra uh, for the latest content, latest stories, and all that fun stuff. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll certainly do this again down the road, and uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. That's all we've got for episode number one, but we are just getting started. You can find 104.5 The Zone and the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. We're there. So be sure to subscribe there, and every time we post a new episode, they'll automatically download straight to your iPhone, Android, or smart device. You can also find us on 1045thezone.com. Click on the podcast page. We're right there as well. But until next week, thanks so much for joining us. I'm Will Bowling. We'll talk to you soon.